Hi, Misfit Universe. This week's episode deals with sexual trauma. This topic may be triggering for some. I want to let you know that you're not alone, no matter what you've been through. If you or someone you know and or love need someone to talk to, please reach out to the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 800-656-HOPE. I love you all. And now, let's get healed. Revolution Multimedia LLC presents The Healing Space, a black and queer mental health podcast created to prove there's more than one way to heal. I'm your host, Sensei Raven Akundayo, CLC. Peace, Misfit Universe. This week, my special guest is recording artist Trey Morris. I'm honored that he decided to share some very private information with us on this episode, which we hope will help someone out there in the Misfit universe. I also wanted to strip down this episode, hence the lack of background music. The initial interview had nothing to do with what ended up being discussed, but it lets me know that everything happens for a reason. And let's be clear, the topic is heavy, but the entire convo isn't. We cover a lot of topics. We laugh and find pockets of joy throughout. We talk about his faith and how blessings have shown up for him, even after all he's been through. Not only that, but we take time to talk about his EP, Subconscious, and share music from the project as well. He and I don't agree on everything, and I appreciate that about him. I appreciate that we disagree on some things and still find a lot that we agree on as well. I've decided to forego some of my normal segments as I want to get right into the meat of the episode. So for mantras, meditation, and more, check out last week's episode on imposter syndrome, as well as other episodes of THS. But now, let's listen to No Love from Trey's EP Subconscious, and I'll see you on the other side for the conversation. No love when I trust in you Make love 
Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Um, it's a pleasure. It, I've, I've been looking forward to it ever since our initial conversation at the concert. I, I've been looking forward to it. Me too. Me too. I'm, I'm very glad that, you know, the universe saw fit to bring us together um, because I think that it will lead to a really important conversation, you know, for a lot of people. Uh, so I think I'd share with you that uh, <laughs> I was presented with a little nugget that I initially wasn't necessarily sure that I wanted to share with you, but I was like, okay, well, I was told that it was already out there, you know, because I'm one of those kind of people where if something's personal, it's personal. I'm a Scorpio, so we're able to keep secrets very well. Um, so we I was know. like, well, I won't we share that. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I've been scorned by a Scorpio or two, so yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, this may be something that I've been in front of that I should just leave alone. But you know, when I brought it to your attention, you were like, no, no, it's, it's totally okay to talk about that. So I appreciate it to be able to have that yeah. conversation along with the music. Um, and what I'm talking about is you being bisexual. Right. And so, go ahead, go ahead. Well, no, I mean, it's always a conversation. Um, it's always, for some, it's a think piece. It's like, well, do you like both? Are you just gay and you're not okay with admitting it? And I'm like, baby, if you knew me, you would know that I genuinely just don't, I don't give a fuck enough about what people think for me to hide that. Like, I like niggas. I enjoy niggas. I also very much am attracted to women. Like, it's, it's equal across the spectrum, baby. Yeah. I like them black. I like them fit. I like them, yes. So, and I'm talking about both genders. I like darts. I like them dark skin, nice bodies. Like that's just me. So I just, I don't subscribe to anybody else's definition of my sexuality. Um, and so I am a bisexual black man. Yeah. They do, yeah, yeah. We, do we do exist? We are not a myth. Yes. <laughs> and, and there are a lot of people, you know, from the heterosexual community and the queer community who believe that you don't exist. You know, which is the yes. reason why I'm glad that, that we can have this conversation, because the idea of the 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 B in the LGBTQ plus, you know, you all are Bro, we, ignored because you, they, ooh, people do think you're a myth. We are the redheaded stepchild, and it only applies to men. Women yeah. are cool. Like women can be bi, but if we if men are bisexual, we it doesn't exist. You either gay or you're straight, and I'm like, baby, I'm neither. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. So at, at what point in your life did you realize this about yourself? Um, when I started to put a label on it was probably middle, middle school, high school. Like when I started to figure out what bisexuality was. Um, and it wasn't until that time is kind of when I started to figure out my trauma. Like mm. starting to name what actually happened to me and figuring out that there's a term for this. Like there is there people go to jail for this like there's therapy like i started to kind of figure out all of those things at the exact same time um like so what, what what was it that happened i was molested when i was eight um by oh. a man um so that was my very first encounter sexually was an unwelcomed one i'll say that um just because i don't want to get into details or whatever the case may be but right. um yeah that was my very first sexual encounter so that kind of shaped how i deal with guys in general whether it's friendship or relationship um how i just i don't i don't i just genuinely i generally not genuinely generally just on principle alone naturally do not trust men yeah um i don't because we are some of the worst creatures to walk this planet Mm. <laughs> we are vile we are violent we are selfish we are self-centered um and so i genuinely generally as a general rule of thumb i don't keep a lot of guys around me i don't trust a lot of men 
Now, do you believe that that is a blanket statement? Do you believe that there are exceptions to this? Absolutely. There are exceptions to everything. Yeah. Yeah. But I just think that in general, men in general, race aside, um, just as a gender, Mm-hmm. Men in general, we can be very trash. Mm. And and so you you include yourself in that, I'm guessing. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm I'm an honest person. I'm not a I'm not a delusional one. Nice. Nice. I have That's very ancient, I have some very ancient tendencies when you have when you get me to that place. I don't naturally, I'm not naturally there, but when I'm disconnected, when I'm there, I'm there. I've I have some very ancient tendencies about me when I want to. Hmm. And so how, at, at what age did you realize that? Like, because of course, you know, a, a less evolved mind would point outward all the time, not necessarily inward. So at what when age I, did you realize, okay, well, you know, I'm not perfect either. So. When I started going to therapy, I mean, I knew it before that, but it was when I started to learn my power and learn how I could, how I could, Okay, so this is the nerd in me coming out. Mm-hmm. So people are gonna laugh, and that's fine. Um, I'm a very big X Men fan. Um, yes, X Men. Gray, Phoenix, Jean Gray, and Professor Xavier have always been my three. They're my favorites. Um, and so, personally, it's almost like telepathy is one of my favorite things on the planet. And so, for me, it was when I started going to therapy, and it was like I, it was like you're you're a telepath in your own life. Like you can start to manipulate. I don't want to use the term manipulate situations, but you can you can start to maneuver in situations and know how to you know how to move because you learn what you learn what works where. Yeah. And so it's when you come in, it's the the maturation of that, though, like in the maturity in it is realizing that you can do it and choosing not to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so for me, when I realized that I had some ancient tendencies is when I started going to therapy and I realized, hey, I could do this if I really wanted to, but I yeah. don't have to, and I choose not to. So that's what I'm saying. Like I ha- I can be very disconnected. I can be very cold. I can be very calculated if you push me to that point. Um, and it's always been a defense and a protection mechanism because you try me and I promise you, I promise you it's going to be 10 times worse than whatever you did to me. So I'm going to eventually have to look up your chart because when, when you and I converse, there are so many things that you say, of course, you know, we have our differences, but there are so right. many things you say that I'm like, oh, we really have that in common. Like, oh, I'm an asshole if you push me there. <laughs> it's horrible. But, I'm an asshole when you push me there. But yeah, as, uh, as far as it goes with therapy, I want to get a little deeper into that. So issues with technology will happen, misfits. And this interview is no exception. The original intro to this interview didn't record. So what you just heard was the take two. However, the 48 minutes after did record. So here's the original interview from Piedmont Park, already in progress. And I'm also very big on having therapists who are faith-based therapists because I'm a Christian. Um, I believe in God and I don't have, it's hard for me to have a conversation with a therapist and trust you with my mental health if we don't have the same belief. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying you have to be a devout Christian or whatever, but I also don't want you telling me that I need to go balance my chakras. And and, and that's no, I'm not throwing shade at anybody who believes in that. That's just not my belief system. So I don't want my mental health counselor or my therapist or my psychiatrist or whoever's supposed to be helping me telling me a healing method that doesn't align with my spiritual belief system, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, So that part, that was, it. you know, it just, it never gets easy. I don't think it'll ever get easy for anybody who has to re-unpack trauma. Mm -hmm. Even if you have healed from it, it still takes you back because you, if you truly gonna talk about it, you go back to that space. Yeah. Yeah, so that's where I'm, you know, that's where I'm at with it. So as far as some of your healing practices, so those who are a part of my world, I call the misfits. Okay. So for the misfit universe who's listening to the healing space right now, who they're working through unpacking their own trauma, what are some of your personal healing methods that you could put out there to them? Work that you do. Now, we're not talking about therapists. We're talking about day-to-day with Trey. What is it that you do? Um, so I have a whole prayer wall in my house. Um, and at this point, I have not been doing well with my own shit because, like, journaling is something that I do when mm-hmm. I'm... Um, just being by myself, I really enjoy working out. Um, mm-hmm. I get really get lost in my music. Um, 
I have started to like to write, and I was never really a writer before. Yeah. So over the years, like I've wrote, if you've listened to my album, that entire the interludes, mm-hmm. I wrote that entire thing. I wrote it three years ago. Wow. Um, so I wrote it well before we even like before subconscious was subconscious. Yeah. Like when we were just trying to figure out. I wrote that at the time about who just dating. Yeah. It was a it was to a, it was a letter to my future partner mm-hmm. about me going through healing and about me figuring it out. So writing is something that's big for me. Um, working out is something that's really big for me. Um, being around people where I feel safe. Even if we don't talk, Absolutely. just being in the space of people that I feel safe with is a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, prayer in church. Yeah. Um, those, if I can't do nothing enough, I can go to church and just find peace. Yeah. The sermon might not even be for me, but to be amongst people that I know are covering me in prayer, people that want the best for me, that sort of thing, I find peace in that. Yeah. So, and yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, I started doing nude yoga uh, with um, EJ. Um, I forget the ELR, the e- EJ, exp- or the ELR. Exp- By yeah. yeah, ELR, yeah. Thank you, because I couldn't think of it. I started doing nude <laughs> yoga. And um, truthfully, that is something that's very eye-opening. It's something that forces you to focus. Yeah. Because being in there is like being in prayer. Mm-hmm. It's like constantly being in a state of prayer because you have no choice but to focus on your breathing and when you focus on your breathing it like people think it's a joke when they say well just focus on no baby when you focus on your breathing absolutely it forces you to stop thinking about everything else it slows you down it gives you a moment for god to speak to you or the universe or whoever you believe that your belief system is yeah um it allows you that moment to of clarity yeah so all of those things on any given day help right so how when it comes to your music mm-hmm. how has that been a healer for you and and when recording have there been any points where the the deeply traumatic experiences have made it more difficult now with a lot of singers usually being able to tap into that trauma makes their music better right have you ever had moments where the trauma seeped in when you were recording and it made it difficult to get through a recording no um so i actually have not recorded a project or a song that reminded me of my trauma Mm. yet yet um everything that i've recorded so far has literally just been about i'm such a hopeless romantic i believe in love i believe in uh, cupid i believe in uh, longevity i still believe in monogamy Mm. i still i yes i still believe in all of that and i get it as a queer man as a bisexual man it's um it's like oh you really believe yes i fully (laughs) believe in monogamy i absolutely do um but i I think that it's a good thing that as a bisexual man you do because people try to say that people who are which is such an old school ass way of thinking that people who are bisexual want to have it all and that's not the case and i'm like but that's not it's not the case at all Uh, because there's something that i can get from women that i can never be able to get from a man there's something that i can get from men that i'll never be able to get from women like it's never going so no i don't need it all i don't but my thing is this when you meet the right person you'll know that you have it all right it won't you won't need multiple genders um and i um so no I have not had an I had not, have not had a experience with my music yet mm-hmm. that reminded me of the sexual trauma. I haven't talked about it in my music. I've discussed love. I've discussed what I want. I've discussed what I don't want. I've discussed things that I've been through. Mm-hmm. I've just you know I've talked about all of that um, as a method of healing and getting to the place where I want to be is so that I'm ready to be in a, in a healthy relationship in something that's long term in something that's gonna last because I want kids. Yeah. I want a family. Like I'm 30. I'm not. I have no desire and. I have no desire to be 38, 39, 40 years old still, you know, fucking off at Sunday Funday by my damn self or right. figuring out who I'm going. Like, I'm not trying to do that. And I mean, if you're a bachelor for life and you're, you know, that's your story. Yeah. Cool. I don't have kids. I have not been married before. I have not even been engaged before. So I'm not jaded off of relationships to the point where I'm just, I just, I think I'm going through a space where I'm redefining myself, who I am at 30 versus who I was at 20. Yeah. At thirty, I'm you know I'm taking I'm taking my time. Mm-hmm. In your twenties, you you're running because yeah. your twenties are gonna run out. And what am I gonna do? And oh my god! And my thirtieth birthday, it was it was patience mm-hmm. and just 
I'm taking my time. That is my theme for this year. Whatever I do in the timing that I do it in, it's in God's timing, and I'm taking my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the doors that are opening, God is doing it, and I'm doing my part so that when I, when the opportunity presents itself, I'm ready. I'm taking my time. Mm-hmm. I'm reclaiming every piece of time that I lost in my 20s. Thank you, Auntie Maxine. <laughs> Thank you, Jasmine. I am reclaiming every piece of the time that I lost thinking that I didn't have enough time. Yeah. Um, because when I die, I want to die empty. And I don't want to die tired. Mm-hmm. I And by tired, I mean out of breath because I've not lived because yeah. I've been so focused on getting to the next moment, the next thing. And 30 has taught me to take my time. I know I keep saying that, but 30 has taught me to slow down and just appreciate a moment for what it is. Absolutely. Um, we met a few weeks ago during a show that I did, mm-hmm. which fell in my lap by accident. Really? That was actually going to be one of my questions to talk about vinyl. So <laughs> let's. So not to switch gears, but we were discussing my music. So I um and a lot of people I catch a lot of flack for some of the things that I post physically mm-hmm. on social media. My body. Uh, it's you're doing it for attention and you're trying to thirst trap and you don't have to do all of that and like put some clothes on. The show I got booked at vinyl, vinyl for, I was naked in the picture that generated that conversation. Really? I posted a photo for Hump Day. Throwback picture from a trip I took to Miami a few weeks ago. And um, my it was my ass on my Facebook story. <laughs> and Michael and I, and, you know, this isn't anything that's a secret. Like, we banter back and forth on social media because it's fun. Yeah. Um, he's one of my favorite artists. I um, have no issue saying that I had found him on Facebook and I added him. I wasn't even sure if he was going to accept the friend request, mm-hmm. but I sent him a friend request. He um, he accepted it, and I fanned out a little bit because I was like, "Oh shit!" I listen to this album every day, <laughs> and um, so we have over the time that we've been social media friends have developed like a um, an acquaintanceship or a friendship, I guess you could say. So I posted a photo, and he responded, he was like, "I know you better have your ass at my show this week." <laughs> and I said, um, "I said, well, what is the like? Send me the details." I had seen that he was going on tour, but I didn't know the details. I had been on and off social media, and um, so he was like, he sent me the details, and I was like, "Well." Um, I said, "Well, if I, I'm gonna get off work, I should be able to shoot right down there." Won't be. I said, "Well, let me ask you a question: Who do I contact, or how do I? What can? What do I need to do to audition to open yeah. up for you?" Because I don't, I believe in closed mouths don't get fed. And if I Amen. want it, I'm going to ask for it. And you just don't have to tell me no. Yeah. Um, and typically that first no is not one that I'm going to accept. I'm going to find a way around it. That's just how I am. Um, so he was like, well, let me find out. Let me see if, you know. So he's like, send me your press kit. So yeah. I was like, okay, well, my website services my press kit. I'll email you the link. I emailed him the link. And the rest of it, that's how, that's how I got the show. Wow. Because I asked. Um, and that was what he said to me um, when he was like, you're standing here because you asked for it. He mm-hmm. said, you weren't afraid to ask for what you wanted. That's why you're standing here tonight. Yeah. And I bawled like a baby because there are conversations that he and I had backstage that I won't ever divulge, divulge or whatever. Yeah. But he poured into me in a way that no other artist where I'm trying to get to yeah. has ever done. Um, and I I cried so much that night. And it wasn't anything. I wasn't even sad. It was yeah. it was full circle moments. It Absolutely. was things that you pray about and then they come in the form of confirmation from somebody else. Mm-hmm. Com- virtually a complete stranger because that was technically, that was the first time we had met in person. In person, yeah. Um, was the night of the show. And so, just, I think, and again, taking my time and just slowing down, mm-hmm. doing my part and letting God do the rest. Yeah. Sometimes it takes you sitting still. And I always tell people all the time, when it gets to a point where it's beyond your scope of understanding, it's where God gets to take over. Mm-hmm. Because if you can't figure it out, it's not for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like 30, that has been the biggest lesson at 30 is to is patience. Mm-hmm. I'm not a patient person. I'm not a person who likes to relinquish control. And that's mm. what we that's what we battle <laughs> at. But again, that comes from and Bible talks about and I um the thorn. In the side, I want to, I keep on, I want to say Elijah, but I, I think I'm wrong at the moment. I'm having a moment. But the, it's like he prays three times and it's like, God, can you please take this? Can you please take this? Can you please take this? And God is like, no, but I'll give you the, I'll give you what you need to withstand it. Right. And for me, I think that's where my sexual abuse comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think God, I used to ask why me? And then you realize that there are generational, generational curses in your family that need to be broken. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you're the you're the you're the one who's strong enough to break them, um, and so 
we're gonna get deep in a minute because I'm gonna <laughs> I'm I'm talk to you about something about the moment where I felt like I was healed from it. Mm -hmm. That breakthrough moment for me where I was able to extend forgiveness and no longer hold on to, if I see you, I'll probably put a bullet in your face. For a long time, that's where I was. Mm -hmm. And so uh, back in 2018, um, William McDowell came as a guest speaker to our church. And that was, um, I had not been in a good place at all. Like that entire last two weeks leading up to that so he comes, and uh, that night at service, he was like, tonight is a night of healing. Tonight is a night of... And so he gives a testimony about a family at his church, mm -hmm. a family of seven, that survived a flesh-eating bacteria that should have killed them in two days. Yeah. They, they Not only did they survive it, but they were... It's documented that they had it, because mm -hmm. the doctors have... But it was gone. Right. It was... From what... It was... I don't even have to tell you what. Right. Because people don't believe in miracles anymore. Like, everything has to be science. Everything has to be an explanation. And I just think that in a world where trees exist on their own and trees, leaves turn, you don't have to understand how everything works mm -hmm. because you didn't create it all. Um, and so, anyway, later on in that night, there's an altar call. And um, I was praying over somebody else. Cause I'm good at praying over other people. I'm good at speaking into other people. I don't. I can't always do it for myself. Mm, and I shut. I shut down and I go into a space. And sometimes my friends are like, "Oh, let me check on them." Cause right. again, I can do it for other people. I can't always do it for Trey. And so somebody taps me on my back and verbatim, I never forget it. She's a stranger. She's like, "Baby, your healing ain't physical. Yours is emotional. It's mm. spiritual. It's." And every time she rubbed my back and she said something else, it was like. It was like hammered away. Next thing you know, I'm I'm on my I'm on the ground on the floor at the altar in the fetal position. Mm. I'm talking snot nose ball. I mean in the fetal position, and literally, um, the Bible speaks about how the utterances you can't find the words, so you just utter out of your belt. I, I was hollering. Yeah. And every time I would holler, Dorian was praying over me at the time. He was one of the ministers at our church. He was praying over me. And that's why when people talk about God not existing or whatever, there's nothing you can say or do mm -hmm. to convince me that that is true when I know the experiences that I've had. Because when I lay on my when I lay in a fetal position on the altar of a church and somebody prays over me verbatim, the things that I have not even said out loud physically that mm -hmm. I've uttered to God. That is not something that the universe did. That is not something that... No, baby, that's God. Mm -hmm. That is God putting somebody where they need to be to pray over me. And every time he would pray and I would holler, I felt it was almost as if... You ever been fishing? No. Okay. You ever seen somebody fish? Yes. Right. When the hook is in the fish mm -hmm. and it pulls them, every time they resist it, it, it tightens. Yeah. Imagine somebody reaching down inside your throat mm. and pulling something from your feet all the way out through your head. It's like when you hear about the embalming process, you know they go through your nose yes. to pull out. Right. Imagine somebody do going through your nose with an endoscope. Uh, the scope. Yes. Tonight. <laughs> and they go down and they, they hook you from your feet. And they pull up. At that time, it was 20 years. Yeah. I was 28. 20 years worth of trauma. And every time somebody prays over every word, every, and it was at that moment that I felt like God took that little boy that had been needing something, that little boy that was in there broken, that was trying, and he healed him at that point. Yeah, yeah. That, and that was one stage of it because now I make whole that part of you. And now it makes, it starts to make sense. And I went home that night and I prayed and I just, I talked to God and it was, there were things, me going through what I went through, there were no, there won't be anybody else that in my family, in my lineage, after me, if I go to have to go through what I went through. Yeah. Because that curse is broken. And I don't say that for anybody else's adoration. Yeah. I don't say it for anybody else's approval. And I don't say it for anybody else to agree with me. Absolutely. I don't I don't need their agreement. I know that it's true mm -hmm. because I know where it came from. And so it was in that moment that I became okay or at peace, more so, on a certain level mm -hmm. with what I had been through. I ain't never gonna be okay with it. Um, and I think people need to understand, you never get to the place of being okay with trauma. Yeah. 
because I feel like there's a piece of me. And another, and another thing that people don't agree with when I say, I don't think I'd ever have been bisexual had I not been raped. Really? My first sexual experience was with a man. I was I was penetrated by a man, and I don't I don't. And people are like, well, why aren't you a why aren't you verse or why aren't you a bottom or whatever? Why the fuck would I want to put myself through that again? When bottoming or being penetrated reminds me of mm-hmm. that. So no, I don't think that I would ever have been attracted to men because I don't remember. Uh, like I hear my friends talk about all the time, like from here. Mm-hmm. I like they like little boys and you know and I'm you know I'm joking they like boys and they whatever this person was attractive and da 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 and I'm like that was not my story I didn't play with Barbie dolls I was not in my mama closet trying to hide in her heels I wasn't like putting hair on my I wasn't that was not me mm-hmm. I was running around scraping my knees up sticking my legs to hot ass irons because I did do that as a child I was driving my mama's car into the ditch because I did that I was a regular little boy like playing in the mud and all that stuff and I'm not saying that anybody because you know in today's PC culture anything that you say because somebody I'm not saying that you're not regular because you grew up and you experienced things differently from me what I'm saying is based on what we know to be the norm mm-hmm. I was a normal child I had not been exposed to any my mom didn't let me she didn't wasn't uh, um, big on me and my brother listening to rap music like extremely vulgar cursing sexual violent she was not big on us listening to that even with the blues we she didn't she just didn't really want us exposed to all that stuff it was my dad that would that had to fight mom not fight with or right. argue with or whatever about us listening to and experiencing certain things at home. Now, mind you, it, we weren't sheltered. Yeah. She talked about, because she was like, I'm raising men, I'm not raising, you know, girl, I'm raising grown-ass men that need to. So it wasn't that, it was she wanted us to experience things in an appropriate time. And so that's why I always say, I don't think I would ever have had that, I don't think I would ever have been attracted to men had I not had that experience. Mm-hmm. My first experience was a dude. A force one at that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when it comes to that experience that I had at church that night from that point to this one that was when I was able to finally forgive like send a message and forgive actually no it wasn't that was when I was okay with it I'd already forgiven him oh Um, so he's still with us okay um I had already forgiven him I forget what movie it was it was the movie where Octavia Spencer it's her an Asian lady and a white man they play father son holy spirit and the man loses his daughter to a rape, and then he goes through the whole... I don't whole, know why I wanted to call it The House. I don't think that was the name But you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. The church took us to see that movie. Oh, wow. That movie, that hole in his chest that they go through the process of helping him heal was what did it, was why I was okay with extending... Because at one point, um, the person who had violated me reached out to me on social media. I was at work. Mm. I lost it. All he sent me was a message on Facebook. Anxiety panic attack I couldn't breathe like I was and even now like it makes me emotional even going back to that place which I'm not about to cry but I'm just saying like I was outside pacing back and forth at my job on the phone with my best friend because I did not know how to respond yeah to go from that to finding him on social media to send him a message to forgive him which he never responded to to two years later because that was in 16 and then in 18 is when I had the experience and it was like at this point I'm okay because I know why it happened. I ain't never gonna be like, cool, cool. Right. But it's like, I'm okay. Yeah. So I wanted to touch on your EP. Okay. So first, I'll put it out there. The Door is my favorite track. So I wanted to say that. <laughs> Thank you so um, much. I really appreciate that. <laughs> that is my favorite track. I wanted to ask what that process was like. I love having these conversations with artists, just creators across the board, about the, the creating process for whatever it is they're going to give birth to. So when it comes to your EP, what was that journey like as far as for your own mental health? Because for a lot of artists, being able to give birth in that way to something they've been working on and wanting to put out for so long is very healing. So what was that like for you and your mental health, being able to finally finish it, put it out for the rest of the world to, you know, experience something that you've been working on for so long? Um, it was a milestone. Uh, I won't say that I felt accomplished because... Um, subconscious is getting a re- it's getting a facelift. Mm. So there is a deluxe version of the project coming. Okay. With visuals, with new content, with new insight. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because who I was when I recorded it 
and who I am now are not the same person. Mm, that's a word. It took me five years to do that project, and it didn't start as subconscious. Yeah. It started as, what is what is Trey's sound? Um, finding music that works for me. I have a very old, vo- I have a very old voice. Um, I have a deep voice. Mm-hmm. I have a raspy voice. So I don't, I don't sound like the pop boys that are on the radio. Yeah. I don't sound like, um, you know, the the R and B boys that I don't want to call them mumble singers, but like the vibe music. Right. I'm a singer. You are going to understand what the hell is coming out of my mouth. I, I like, I like loud notes, and I like belting, and I like range, and I like instrumentation, and like, like I like arrangements. Um, I like music the essence of what music used to be mm-hmm. in my personal opinion um, so I feel like the way that the project came together was authentically how it was supposed to because I listened to I had someone in my Uber because um, I'll play my music from time to time because Uber passengers love to ask you what you do and this yes. and other like, <laughs> it's like what you know so um I had somebody tell me, they were like, not one song on your project sounds alike. Mm. That was the best compliment I think I could have gotten about that project. Mm-hmm. Because Beyonce did an interview years ago, right before 4 came out, and she was talking about how people aren't putting out bodies of work anymore. It's, here's a single, I'm going to run it in the ground. And then, here's another single, I'm going to run it in the ground. But like, full bodies of work yeah. from start to finish that tell a story, people aren't doing that anymore. Yeah. And Subconscious does that. Um, and that's not from my mouth. Mm-hmm. That is the feedback that I've yeah. got. That is what people have said. It's a love story. It literally talks about, it describes your perfect love story in vintage love. Mm-hmm. And then if you pay attention to the inter- interludes, and if you pay attention to the content of the other music, although it all, it wasn't planned that way, it literally goes through the steps of getting to where you want to be in a love story. Yeah. The last track on the album is The Door mm-hmm. before the last interlude. The doors you you went through all of these steps. You went out to the club in the night, and you met somebody that you liked. And then in foreplay, y'all was just fuck buddies, so y'all having fun. And then somewhere around Toxic Bay, y'all are doing some shit you ain't got no business because now it's gone past that. In no love, you've got well, damn, how did we end up here? We was just having fun, but now it's something more than that. But I'm scared that it's gonna end up. And then you get past that, and you get to the door, and it's like we we've stayed in this way longer than what the hell we should have and this does not look like the vintage love that I described yeah. six months ago when mm-hmm. I met you and so real, real quick a part of me wants you to do an acoustic album only because I would love to hear the door acoustic like just completely stripped down I just feel like that would sound really hot but okay go ahead okay <laughs> so y'all I have been asked to do y- y'all already here first I've been asked to do um, I've been asked to do um, an acoustic album um, I actually did a stripped down uh, version of Vintage Love. It's on my, it's on Twitter somewhere. I recorded a video of me singing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my, uh, one of another artist in there, he was like, "I like it, but don't touch my song." <laughs> so I was like, "He was like, yes, I said my song." And then my best friend, uh, who lit, my my other best friend, uh, she has already told me when she gets married, I have to do an acoustic version of Vintage Love at her wedding. Okay. She wants the acoustic stripped down version yeah. of that song. Um. So for me, that project was uh, it was a milestone, mm-hmm. and I also felt like it was again God showing me that if you just take your time, yeah, and if you just be patient, because again, none of those songs were recorded at the same time. Mm-hmm. The last song that was recorded on the project was Vintage Love, and it's the first track. Wow, <laughs> wow, and yeah, you were still able to make it a story. That's wow. It okay. was. Because it wasn't me. I prayed about and I knew what I wanted. It was just a matter of making it come together. Again, the interludes were recorded, were written as just the spoken word that I recorded in my bathroom mm-hmm. in 2018 in 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, For those that, of a certain age, by the way, having those kind of interludes rock. Because it makes you think of somebody like Janet, where it was like, okay, you know, you drop the interludes in and it all fits together so perfectly. The interludes tell the story. Yes. Um, the interludes really give you more of an insight about who Trey is. Mm-hmm. If you really pay attention, Aretha says, and, and again, I, I reference my favorite, as you can tell, yes. I've studied <laughs> Aretha, I forget which interview it was. It was years ago, in the 80s. And she did an interview and the person was like, you don't do many interviews, you don't talk really publicly about your private life, blah, 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 blah. And Aretha says, well, if you listen to the music, all of it's in there. There we go. And I tell people that all the time, if you pay attention to my music, yeah. If you pay attention to the way I emote when I have 
because like I did a stage play where I had to play a rapist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I feel like I need to bring you on for a whole nother episode just to unpack that all by itself. That's um, a whole episode all by itself did, right there. I did. I did dinner theater. Well, okay. It was the the, the type of uh, stage play it was was it was designed for dinner theater. Yeah. Um, so I did dinner theater, and the character that I played was accused of raping someone. Ooh. Right. And it was date rape at that. Mm. So. That was, and so I always tell people, if you ever pay attention to my art in any form of how I do it, my life is in there. Yeah. Um, those interludes really give a lot about who I am, mm -hmm. and you just have to, if you know me, you pay attention to it because again, I'm I'm heavily romantic. I still believe in dating. I still believe in sending pointless text messages. Um, <laughs> I still believe in just randomly cash apping you. Just hey, go get coffee. It's on me. I was thinking about you. I, you know, you told me this morning you was. Your day didn't start right because you couldn't find a toothpaste. Hey, go get some coffee. Like, I do shit like that. Yeah. I always do it for the wrong people, which is why I'm still single. <laughs> but, you know, I do shit like that. And just the concept of dating is really difficult. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I mean, so I feel like that project, I don't know. It almost, it was, it's almost the worst thing that anybody could have let me do. Mm. Because I put that project out in the middle of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, I put that project out when there were all types of elements fighting me. On getting that album out, yeah. um, I had to find a new engineer to master, mix and master the last two tracks and four of the interludes a week and a half before the album was supposed to come out because the person who was supposed to do it decided that he was going to back out over a misunderstanding about one of the tracks that never even made my project. Wow. So, are you all still connected in any way or on Facebook? <laughs> I mean, we'll always be connected because I'm never going to take credits away from, right. you know, the team. Right. That Absolutely. team produced some of my best music. So yeah. I'm never going to take it away from them uh, musically uh, or their talents or whatever the case may be. Um, but I said all that to say not to bash them, but I'm just saying the factors that were and the things that were going on at the time, my project shouldn't have came out. And not only did it come out, but I'm independent with maybe 3,500 followers on Instagram. Like collectively between... All of my social media platforms, I got like 10,000 followers. We'll mm -hmm. say between Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. I collectively close to 10 grand, 10K. I debuted at number 54 on iTunes Army Soul mm. behind Jasmine Sullivan. And I'm independent. No yeah. label, no PR, no marketing, no whatever. It's just people who fuck with me, fuck with my music, and have been rocking with me for years. Yeah. And so that I say that that was the worst thing that anybody could have let happen because you let me see what I could do when everything was against me. Mm -hmm. Don't fuck around and let me get a little leverage. Right. Or or let me get some people around me where I can really get a budget, where I can really create the way I want to create. Yeah. Because seeing, like, there have been things that projects, and I won't delve into it because I don't want to seem like I'm, but there have been things that I have written down in my house that I've watched other artists do before me, and I'm just like, fuck it, y'all just going to have to see it again because I know when I wrote it down, I know, and I'm not changing because, oh, I don't want to be a copycat. I'm going to stay authentic to what I want to do, yeah. and it's going to touch who it's supposed to touch. So... That's where I'm at with it musically. Nice. Okay, so last question. Okay. And I absolutely have to have you back here again because I feel like there are so many different directions we can go in. You I, send the email and we will make it happen. Absolutely. You absolutely. send the email and I'll be here. <laughs> so my last question for you okay. uh, could be considered a simple one or it could be one where you're like, hmm, what does healing mean to you? It doesn't stop. Um, I'm still healing. I'm still going through stuff. Um, I was I was talking to Jessica this morning. She's my best friend. One of them, anyways. Jamie and Jessica. They're my wives. I, I tell them all the time. They're my two wives. Um, I was talking to Jessica this morning, and um, I was telling her, I was like, it is crazy that I'm going to tape a podcast on mental health with all the shit I've been going through over mm -hmm. the last week. Um, I told her my car last weekend. Um, yeah, you showed me a pic. Yeah. After, listen, and people see it, and they're like, oh my God, I'm so glad you're okay, but when you look at the photos and you realize that it's a telephone pole that wasn't wired correctly mm -hmm. and a fire hydrant that wasn't working properly, I'm supposed to be dead because water and electricity don't mix. Yeah. Um, someone who was supposed to be a friend responded after my car accident. Now, mind you, apparently we were, there was an issue with me that I wasn't even aware of. Mm. The response when I said that my car was going to be totaled, was damn karma kind of hit crazy sometimes, don't it? What? Are you serious? Yeah, that's what was said to me. Um, it was a text message in the group chat. 
and uh, we obviously we don't speak anymore. Right. But what was said in that um, conversation, um, and I, because I didn't originally tell everybody um, that I was in a car accident. I had um, posted it. Uh, I posted a photo to my close friends, and I reached out to one person who had helped me with something earlier in the week. Right. Regarding my car. That was the person that I called because I was like, it is so ironic that you just helped me do something with my car. And now and then it's totals. Yeah. Um, and you saw the photos. Yeah. Um, when I got out the car, I was shaking because the car turned illegally. Like the car literally came from out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It, it was an illegal left turn. I avoided the car, hit the telephone pole, and took out the fire hydrant. Mm. No water, no wiring, no nothing. It wasn't even wired correctly. Right. And so the next, like, uh, I talked to the one person that I told you about and then um, got everything squared away. And then the next day, that's when I told people. Okay. I was just like, I need. Yeah, absolutely. You know, moment. Didn't tell my mama. Didn't tell my daddy till the Monday after it happened. Mm-hmm. Like I just didn't. I didn't feel like the questions. I didn't feel like. And in the moment, when the text message came through, the immediate response after was my fault. I definitely sent that to the wrong group chat. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, it never registered that it was a shady comment. Yeah. It wasn't until a couple of days later when, so I got blocked. Um. And I went back and I looked. I was like, oh, you didn't send that to... You meant to say it. Mm-hmm. You just didn't mean for me to see it. Right. And so it's like whatever you're upset with me about or whatever you feel a way about, instead of... Again, it goes back to what I said earlier mm-hmm. um, about coming to me and talking to me versus forming your own narrative yeah. or whatever the case may be. Um, your response was, damn, karma kind of hit crazy sometimes. Not about the accident, but, but about the car getting totaled. Right. But in the same vein, I could have been dead. Yeah, So absolutely. I'm supposed to be dead. I had a fire hydrant and a telephone pole mm-hmm. at the same fucking time. That's an instant explosion. <laughs> and your response was... And so it really fucked with me because I'm just like, sheesh, we fell out before. And I let you come back against my better judgment because that's what forgiveness... You know, when you love people and you hold them close, and you you know yeah. you tend to let them come back. You tend to forgive more than you should. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I, for me, I say healing is never ending. It's a process because, again, I don't have I don't deal well with guys. I told you that earlier. Mm-hmm. So you get male friends that are supposed to be close, and then they do do or say shit like that, right? Yeah. Um, it makes you not want to fuck with nobody. And so that's why I say it's a healing thing because if if I wasn't me, yeah. Um, a weak-minded individual might shut down mm-hmm. and not let anybody in, might not deal with anybody, whatever the case may be. I ain't him. It's going to take a lot more than that. Now, it's going to fuck with me because I love hard. Um, when I got when I let people close to me and when I, you know, I value you, I value you. Yeah. Um, but it's something that you don't ever stop doing mm-hmm. because life is going to always prevent circumstances and situations that challenge whether or not you've healed as much as you say you have. Um, and for me, I'm still going through that. I I wear it well, mm-hmm. but it's not always easy. Um, and I have my ways of which I cope, which I shouldn't. Um, I smoke weed, and a lot of people don't know that about me. Um, but I started, what's crazy is I started smoking weed, too. I don't like taking medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have chronic migraines. Like, I'm talking, they're debilitating to the point where I can't stand up straight because I see spots, or I'm dizzy, or I'm nauseous. Yeah, yeah. And I, ha- I haven't had them in a while, but they were... And I had a bad one a few weeks ago. But we didn't, the pandemic, like before the pandemic, I get a headache, hit my blunt, go to sleep. I was never an avid, like an avid smoker or anything like that because I'm a singer. Yeah. And then the pandemic hit and it's like, what the fuck? You don't have shit else to do. So I started smoking way more frequently. Um, and now I smoke more than I should. Mm-hmm. Um, and I recognize what it is. Sometimes it's coping and sometimes I'm having fun. So I've gotten to the point where now where I just make sure like if I'm going through some shit and I know I'm coping, let me just not right. engage in whatever activity it is, whether it's weed or whether it's whatever. Um, but life will, life and circumstances will always send you situations that challenge your healing, mm-hmm. that challenge your, your growth, that challenge how far you've come. Mm-hmm. And I don't want people to ever take healing as something that, well, I'm done or I did it. No, that's not, <laughs> that's not how that works at all. It's, it is, it is a never-ending process. Absolutely. It is a journey. It is It is something that is beautiful. It is something that you enjoy doing because you see yourself on the other side of it. Like, who I was six months ago and who I am now. There we go. Um, because I just... 
I don't know. There's a lot of things nowadays that just don't get a reaction out of me. They don't. It do, it's, it doesn't warrant my energy. There are just things that I'm not interested in. Like, I just, I laugh at it mm -hmm. at this point. And it's just like, people don't understand it and people don't get it because they don't get me. Yeah. But it's just like, I've survived shit that should have killed me. So there's no reason why this is going to take me out or why this is going to be the thing that just, and I'm like, I think about suicide now and I think about the moments where I wanted to take my life and the ways that I've contemplated doing it. And I'm just like, I'm way too fine to die right now. And what joy do I get out of that? You, I, No, I got to stick around and piss you off a little bit more, baby, because <laughs> I'm going to sit here and let God keep blessing me in your face. Because another comment was made, um, and in hindsight, you don't realize that compliments be shade. Mm-hmm. Depending on the source, right? Because again, in the moment, another comp another comment was made. Um, you know, I really never expected this to pan out for you. Like there were sometimes I really just didn't expect this music shit to pan out for you. But I'm proud of you because you you really stuck with it, and you realized that's not a compliment. Right. <laughs> I was sitting here waiting for you to fail, and you never failed, and you never, and failed. You never gave up. That's exactly what that is. Look at you. You didn't crumble the way I thought you were going to. <laughs> right. And in the moment, it sounds like I'm super fucking proud right. of you. Right, exactly. When, when in reality, it's like, damn. <laughs> this came from the same person who said, call me here crazy. Wow. Okay, so so this person was trying to give you all types of... <laughs> they give you all you kinds of signs. You don't realize it until after the yeah, fact. Yeah, it's yeah. just like... And you're like, wow, that's... <laughs> Wow. All of these things, like, why are you still dealing with me? And then I talk about, and then I, I think about how my pastor says all the time, Bishop Murphy, shout out to the Dream Center Church of Atlanta. Um, Bishop Murphy says all the time, some of y'all ain't where y'all want to be at because you still attach to people that God, that you keep trying to bring with you that God wants you to get rid of. Mm. And I think about how many times, because I'm a giver, I, um, I'm naturally a fixer. It's ingrained in who I am. Like, anytime something goes wrong, I automatically feel like I'm the one who has to fix mm -hmm. it. And at this point, I'm fuck y'all. Like, that's where I'm at with it. Um, and sometimes I sit and I think, and it's like, how many people have held me back from where I could be because I wanted you to win with me? Mm -hmm. I wanted to see you win. I wanted to be able to bless you when I do win because you've been here with me the entire time. Yeah. When I wanted to give up, you wouldn't let me give up. When I wanted to crumble, you were And it's just like... They don't have to go. Their purpose was served. They yeah. kept you from giving up. They kept you from crumbling. They, and so now that their season is over, you can walk away mm -hmm. and, and not feel guilty about it. And that's where I'm at now. It's like, if if you want to go, go. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to fight to keep you here. I mean, I'm not going to not fight if, you know, if it's a friendship or if it's a relationship or, you know, we're both working on something. But if you just genuinely do not want to be in my life, then, baby, it's okay, it's okay because I don't want anyone here who doesn't genuinely want to be here. Yes. And I'm okay with admitting that. Absolutely. Um, and that is also part of healing, is realizing that people can fall off. Mm -hmm. Like leaves on a tree. Chapters end. The chapters end. Um, Grace teaches us that. <laughs> I'm a very big Grace Anatomy fan. Um, what? See, yeah. What? My don't car, know. My car's <laughs> name McDreamy. What? Don't play with me. I'm so serious. <laughs> McDreamy sitting right my new baby's name McDreamy if you needed a, if you need an idea of my relationship with my mom mm -hmm. since we're you know not to take up too much time Jackson Avery and Catherine Fox really um minus the money cause we're not yeah ready. yeah yeah but as far as like my mom being overbearing my yeah. mother being um very protective my mm -hmm. mom I know what's best for you even at 30 years old and sometimes I have to put her in her place like if you really <laughs> need that if very you much ever need a tangible of how my our, our relationship is mm -hmm. that's the best way to describe it um just like this she's also the person that I just want to strangle sometimes um <laughs> which but would no. still be them as yeah. well <laughs> but if Grace has taught us nothing else and I mean even down to like the medical stuff because you know she Catherine went through the whole tumor thing absolutely my mom has actually had disc replacement her neck before so like it yeah. literally it's yeah. <laughs> us um but I you know I healing it is what it is and chapters in people go on people grow and, it, and it's okay yeah I can root for you from a distance or I don't have to um and I mean, when you say things that tell me that you waited for me to fail or you say things like you feel like I should have died, that's not somebody that I want anywhere yeah. near me. So, and I'm, you know, 
And look at me. I look better than anybody who don't like me, no way. So, <laughs> when is your birthday? June 17th. <laughs> I just, like, when is this I'm birthday? just like, I sit here and I think, and I'm like, I'm better looking than anybody who doesn't like me. So, baby, you gotta say that over God. Like, my skin is clear. I drink water. I mind my business. There's a reason why. I, I, I'm going to say this and we're going to close. As far as my healing and stuff is concerned. I sit and sometimes I've questioned my character based on other people's actions. Mm-hmm. What did I do wrong? What did not? And then I think about God and I think about the blessings in my life. And I think about how I've never missed a beat. I have not gone without eating. I've not gone without a roof over my head. I've not gone. And in the midst of all of the personal life shit, pup, my career's thriving. I've been on network television now more times than I can think of. I've done four different network TV shows. I've done Boomerang, um, The Resident on Fox, and, and in addition to P-Valley and American Soul. I've done multiple stage plays. I've now opened for a Grammy-nominated artist. I've been on court TV before. Like, I'm writing a book at the moment. I am a recurring, now a constant recurring cast member on now what's about to be the third season of a relatively successful YouTube a reality series. Like, at this point, we, we average 20-plus thousand viewers on an episode. So, my character can't be that negative or I can't be doing that bad if God is constantly blessing me. Because, yeah, the Bible says the, 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 it, the blessings rain on the just as well as the unjust. No, baby. These aren't, these aren't blessings that I should just be go, doing and getting if I'm out here just fucking people over. Like, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it took me realizing that it's not you. you now, you flawed because mm-hmm. we all are flawed. But you don't have to take on other people's bullshit. And for the longest time, I would take on other people's bullshit because I felt like it was my job to fix them. Because it's like, ooh, I know what it's like to go through this, and I know what it's like for other people to treat you. So I don't have to do that, baby. I don't get paid to do that. My degree is not in therapy. Mm-hmm. My degree is in IT, and I don't even use that. So I don't have a couch for you to lay on. Um, I don't have... Some days I don't have the, the wherewithal to even deal with y'all. So I'm going to turn my phone off. Or I'm not going to respond. Or mm-hmm. I'm just not. And yes, I'm on social media, but that's self-care. And I'm not obligated to talk to you because I'm on social media. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize that either. So I say that to say that healing is a process and it's a journey. And people have to make it. They have to realize what it looks like for them. For them. Okay. So um, I don't say follow. I say walk with. So if any of the misfits in the misfit universe would like to walk with you, how would they be able to walk with you on social media? If they want to join the team, because I don't call my, I don't say fans. I refer to my, uh, I've reported, we're a team. I got my supporters. Mm-hmm. So if they want to join Team Trey, um, you can follow me on Instagram. It's T-R-A-E. <laughs> Not songs. It's T-R-A-E. Um, Morris, M-O-R-R-I-S underscore on Instagram. I am Trey Morris on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trey Morris on Facebook. Um, TreyMorrisMusic.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, my link tree is also in my bio. So I have um, music. I have merch. I have. Uh, my, I have now. I now have a blog. So I've got moments with Morris. Okay. I launched that right after Michael's show. Um, his the show that I did uh, with him at Vinyl was the pivotal moment for me to launch my blog and. I would love to come back so we can get into that and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, so if you guys want to join the team and walk with me, you can find me, my name, all over social media. Awesome. Thank you so much, Trey. No problem. All Thank right, you Ms. guys Fitz. for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I have so much. I have so enjoyed being here. <laughs> this has been a great conversation. Like, I was nervous. Real. I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Um, but I always try to walk into everything as transparent as possible because I've also had people tell me that I'm too poised when it comes to really yes I've had people tell me in interviews that I come across as too poised that it doesn't seem authentic sometimes that I'm mm. I have way too much media training or whatever whatever and I'm like where did I get it from because I don't not like I got this damn right. expensive ass PR team behind me now granted I do have coaching and stuff like that but yeah so yeah. I don't you know no I love I love the transparency Thank because you. that's what this podcast is about thank you so the fact that you walked in from the beginning very first question with full transparency made it a much more enjoyable conversation i have had the walls were down i have had fun um i've got more comfortable letting people in over the years it i'm not i'm very proud i I like to i'm publicly private yeah um i post a lot Mm -hmm. you see me out 
But as far as what's actually going on in my personal life, you won't know unless I tell you. Yeah. And I and I enjoy being Beyonce and, and Jay-Z in a world full of Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> you, you say too many things that make me want to go into other conversations, so we're going to end. <laughs> Greatly appreciated. And uh, this episode will be going up for those of you who are watching live. This episode goes up on the very first Tuesday of November. So we are everywhere. We are uh, Spotify. We are Apple Podcasts. We are Google Podcasts. We are Audible. We are Amazon Music. Listen wherever major podcasts are. Uh, and until then, misfits who are listening, and it is now time. Yes. Uh, okay, um, and your music yeah. My on? music is on every platform. Nice. Every platform. Come on. Brand yep. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back with good news. Imagine not having to wonder. Peaceful breeze as I slumber to the melodies of your truth. It's the honesty for me. Day we met consistency, making love while never touching me. I need that sweet love, I need to sing about. Tell me, can we talk until words run out? To step in the night away. Cause when I'm with you, I don't care about time. I get lost inside of your mind. Maybe your love came right on time. Got a brother singing my, my, my Tastes so good like a fine wine Yeah, it's vintage That's what I like I said it's vintage That's what I like Never wake without a good morning Never lay down in the bed without a good night for good news. Episode 6 of THS Podcast back in 2017 was entitled Healing Through Sexual Assault. Several survivors of different races, genders, and more came together to share their stories of survival. It remains one of the most important episodes in the podcast's history. So I thank all of those beautiful souls, and Trey as well. Thank you all for sharing your stories and for trusting the healing space as a safe space for all of you. If you need help, as I stated at the beginning of the episode, please never be afraid to reach out. And also, visit rainn.org, that's rain.org, to educate yourself a little bit more on the resources that you can gather to assist you if you are a survivor of sexual assault. Now, Trey shared how you can walk with him. However, you can also find his information in the description for this episode. Next week, join us as we heal through religious trauma. (laughs) Yeah, this month's episodes are no joke. 
and I'm happy to have my dear friend Ariah Baker joining me to discuss this important topic. As always, you can walk with THS on social media at THS Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, and underscore THS Podcast on Twitter. For me, it's now at Raven Akundayo on Instagram and Scorpiogi everywhere else. As far as, as well as, excuse me, my website, Scorpiogi.com. So until next week, be good to one another. Most importantly, be good to yourself. I love you all. Namaste.